Ladies and gents, this is the moment you've waited for. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. Aces with love a stop. Picked up by Gray. She can go coast to coast. There's three. There's two. She's going to launch from three. Chelsea Gray for three. Unbelievable. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Jackie's got it. Aces got numbers three on two. To Plum for three. KP, ring it up. Boom, shaka, waka, waka, boom. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. To Bay, she's open for three. She sees it. She's got the bucket. One, two, three times for Bay. T.C. Martin. And you got that right. Money won't change it. Raquana, Bay Williams, boom. This is the greatest show. The ball is in the air. The Las Vegas Aces have won their very first WNBA championship. The doctor is now in. Storming out of the weekend, it is the Monday edition of the T.C. Martin Show coming live, KSHB AM 1400, 107.1 FM here in Las Vegas. Always streaming at the T.C. Martin Show live, Monday through Friday, 2 to 4 p.m., folks. If you miss any part of the show or any show, go to the tcmartinshow.com under the podcast section. Also, check out the interview page and hear from our great guests. Go to the current and classic interview pages anytime at tcmartinshow.com. Ladies and gentlemen, Las Vegas' most prestigious football handicapping contest is back. The Super Contest of the Westgate, Las Vegas. Pick five NFL against the spread each week for the entire season and win big cash, a $1,000 entry fee with a chance to be the grand champion and also 11 other ways to win with in-season contests. If you want to play with the big boys, then the Super Contest gold is for you. $5,000 entry fee with a winner-take-all format. Deadline to sign up is Saturday, September 9th at the Superbook at the Westgate, Las Vegas. It's the Super Contest and the Super Contest Gold. Don't forget to come by and see the show live every Friday from 2 to 4 at the Superbook at the Westgate, Las Vegas. Marco D'Angelo, I believe you'll be hosting that show Friday, right? I'll try not to wreck the bus. <laughs> Watch all the games in comfort and non-smoking environment. You've got the home of the giant 4K video wall, the world-famous Superbook at the Westgate. Las Vegas. Chris Wynn, Marco D'Angelo here on your Monday. Talked a lot of NFL there week, or hour one, I should say. And uh, now let's jump into some WNBA action. Now, it was, it was interesting last week, during the week, right? On Tuesday and Thursday, they had an opportunity to play black back-to-back tilts against the other team in the WNBA that has expectations to win a championship. That, of course, is the New York Liberty. On Tuesday, it was not good for the Las Vegas Aces. They end up getting knocked off by 19 at home in a game where they were looking to kind of rebound after that embarrassing 38-point loss in Brooklyn against New York just over a week before that. Then on Thursday, they were able to kind of right the ship a little bit, get a victory over the Liberty, including you know Chelsea Gray going with a triple-double in that game. It, it uh, had four starters in double figures. You saw Asia Wilson kind of get back on track from an offensive standpoint. And then the calendar turned to Saturday afternoon, Marco. And you're playing against uh, one of the teams that is uh, solidly under 500 in the WNBA, in the Los, Ve- Los Angeles Sparks. Not one of the clear-cut best teams in the WNBA by any stretch of the imagination. And the Aces end up dropping that one at home, at Michelob Ultra Arena, to the... Los Angeles Sparks in a fashion that is concerning, to say the least, given that uh, I believe they had 15 points in that first quarter. Offense was a struggle, and it was just a matter of 48 hours, essentially, right, after that big win over New York. A surprise, Marco D'Angelo, that uh, the Aces and the Sparks' outcome was what it was on Saturday. Yeah, it wasn't even 48 hours, and that's where I'm going to start with this whole breakdown of the Aces. Um, the schedule maker has not been kind to the Aces right. at all right now. And as you, you talked about it, they got out to a slow start, 24-15 at the end of one. They only scored 21 in the second uh, period in the mm-hmm. third quarter, fourth quarter, 19-17. and 17. 72 points for this offensive juggernaut that had been averaging like 94 points a game. Um it's a being coming a recurring problem. Uh, and I have thoughts on it 
And there's nothing we can do about it at the moment um, other than get these guys some uh, girls some rest. Mm -hmm. You've got the starting four. Um, Wilson, Plum, Young, and Gray. It's the best starting four. When Candace Parker was healthy, it was the best starting five in the WNBA. But there's nothing off the bench, and that is a problem. Um, Kia Stokes, you know, 22 minutes. Now she's in there for her defensive presence. I get that, but you got to get, you know, some points, zero points on Saturday, and all those games in a row that the Aces played leading up to the pair with uh, the Liberty in the Tuesday game, as you said, that was a huge game for not only the aces for the revenge spot, but we talked about it several times. The winner of that game got each player got $30,000 mm-hmm. to an NBA player. $30,000 is nothing to the WNBA uh, players. That's more than 10% of the highest paid player. Okay, so it did mean something for them, and they'd lost that game. They righted the ship, as you said, on Thursday, but then the WNBA had them scheduled standalone game on Saturday. They were the only game on the schedule Saturday, and they had the game at noon local time. So you didn't even have a 48-hour turnaround. You know, it was, it was less than that uh, for them. They don't have any depth, and the starters are getting tired. And when you look at the shooting percentages, this team is one of the best three-point shooting teams in the WNBA. And for the game, they shot, uh, again, a dismal uh, total for the game on Saturday. And they were 17-point favorites. You you can't lose outright on your home floor. They shot just 25% from the field on threes, 36 for the game total. That's a tired team. They're, they're coming. You're seeing them hit the front rim a lot. That's when, you know, not that I've ever been an NBA player, but I know when you don't have your legs, your shots are coming up short. You brought up the dynamic, of course, of, you know, the starting lineup versus the bench production of this team. And right. And look, and Becky Hammond has gotten uh, a lot of praise and rightfully so as a head coach, because she's seen to push a lot of the right buttons. Obviously, they won a championship a year ago in her first season as the head coach. But uh, they've kind of run into a stumbling block here when it comes to uh, trying to get any kind of production out of the bench. We understand Rakana Williams, you know, being suspended indefinitely, and for, for that situation, we understand how that all goes down. And we 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 know, you know, what AC Alicia Clark and some others on this bench can bring to the table. But uh, I think it's a legitimate concern that you're not getting, uh, you know, maybe more production out of this bench as opposed to what you get from a, the starting five you know, usually on a consistent basis. And because they had been blowing teams out, she was able to empty the bench in a lot of games. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it didn't matter because they had, you know, 25 point leads going to, you know, the fourth quarter. Yeah. You can manage the minutes that way, but they had back to back big games, like you said, with the Liberty yeah. that took its toll on this team. Now, if you would have told me they weren't going to cover on Saturday, I would have been on board with that, you know, because I could see the flat spot. But to see them lose outright, now let's give the Sparks some credit. I, I know they have a sub-500 record, but they had coming into that game, I think they had covered seven in a row. They were playing their best basketball. They had won three in a row straight up, but they had a seven in a row against the spread. So I wouldn't have been surprised at all if they gave them a battle. But not being able to come out on a floor that you've owned um, – you know, snapped the, you know, they hadn't lost the game at home other than the commissioner's cup, which technically wasn't, you know, a, a season loss for them. Uh, they were undefeated on that floor and they not only undefeated, they blew everybody out. They didn't have that many close games, but that was a bad one on Saturday. And I don't know how you can fix this bench problem when you're playing inferior teams. Mm-hmm. They can get away with it. But when you get to the championship game, and let's face it, they're on a collision course for the Aces and the Liberty for the WNBA championship. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be the best matchup team-wise. It's going to be the best matchup for the WNBA ratings-wise because you've got the New York market against, you know, the big bad aces that, you know, it seems like just like the Knights, everybody, you know, hates the Vegas team because everything has come so easy. But, uh, what are they going to do when they got to go a five game series against the Liberty and they in they're at a huge disadvantage with depth? 
It's a solid point. And look, uh, they do still play the games, though. So this Aces team, they head on the road here for a stretch. They'll be playing in Atlanta tomorrow night against the Dream, a team that gives up a ton of points. I believe they give up like almost 84 points a game in Atlanta. So you would expect maybe that the Aces are coming into this thinking that uh, we might be able to kind of fix some of our problems from an offensive standpoint when you're playing a team the likes of the Dream. And they're actually going to have basically two and a half days rest mm-hmm. because they played the noon game on Saturday. So you're off Sunday, travel on Monday, and you're going to play tomorrow night. So yes, I would expect the Aces to bounce back in a big way tomorrow. And I would also expect that one of the trademarks until this last, you know, two games there, generally when this team doesn't score a lot of points, they're on their route to uh, get a hundred in the next one, you know. So you yeah. might want to look at a team total tomorrow with the Aces because I think they're they will have fresher legs tomorrow because they did have a couple days off, and we should see the Aces that we've seen all year. But uh, I've got concerns moving deep into the season when we get to the playoffs, and you are going to battle the Liberty. Uh, the only other team that I that you know could make it out of the East is the Connecticut Sun, right. but. Uh, I still think New York's by far and away the better team. They they get p- scoring seven, eight deep on that team. Yeah, I would be surprised if the Aces didn't come out with a big effort tomorrow night in Atlanta against the Dream. Then they head to Chicago to the Windy City to take on the Sky in a matchup on Thursday. And then they're in D.C., the nation's capital, on Saturday for a 4 o'clock game. They'll be there. They'll be visiting the White House for that game. And then they'll close out this road trip in Brooklyn against the New York Liberty at the Barclays Center. The scene of the crime, Marco D'Angelo, where they were just absolutely lambasted by the New York Liberty. Uh, I, I would I would suggest that would probably be some kind of motivation for this Aces team going in there after losing by, you know, 30-plus points to a team that you're expected to be in an NBA or WNBA final possibly with. And you're going to be yeah. right back to the same situation, mm-hmm. uh, Chris. They're going to be tired at the end of this road trip. Facing a Liberty team that is definitely a nightmare matchup for them right now. And, you know, you talked about it, you know, play Atlanta, Chicago, Washington, New York, and you're doing it starting Tuesday every other day. It's going to be Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, you know, Monday. It's, it's going to be tough on them. We'll see what happens in that last game and see if, uh, Becky tries to manage the minutes the game before against Washington, a team that, you know, is not that good. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's another team that they should handle easily. Hopefully they can get out, get a big lead and she can empty the bench and not worry about it and keep the team fresh for the Liberty. But this Liberty team, like I said, you can get double digit production all the way down, you know, sixth, seventh uh, player deep on that team and, after our starting four, we're we're looking who's going to make a who's going to make a bucket. So I have to bounce this off you, Marco, because I think this is an outstanding radio topic. Becky Hammond, right, as a head coach, obviously she's had an opportunity after her playing days to work with Greg Popovich in San Antonio with the Spurs as an assistant coach, right? Uh, she wasn't the very first female assistant, but I believe she was the first full time. Assistant coach, maybe maybe uh, number one assistant or whatever, on the bench. Um, so she has ties to the NBA. We saw what she was able to do in 2022 by winning a championship in the you know uh, with the with the WNBA and the Las Vegas Aces. We saw the chatter that came about regarding the Toronto Raptors, uh, even the Portland Trailblazers when some of these head jobs came up in the NBA. What do you think about the prospects? of Becky Hammond being a head coach in the NBA. Because I'll be very quick with my response to this. I think I am still a tad skeptical. I I think that that's something that I think NBA teams tend to be hesitant in this situation regarding her specifically and regarding any any female right now at at this point, right now. I think she has the best chance of anyone. But me, I'm still in the camp of uh, I'll believe it when I see it. When it comes to Becky Hammond, what do you say when it comes to Becky Hammond and her prospects of uh, coaching in the NBA? The Toronto job, you know, was a was a real thing. You know, whether it was just you know doing it to go through the due process, like you know the Rooney Rule, you know, with coaches in the NFL. Um, but she wasn't going to leave this. This is too good of a gig for right now. Yeah. She wins another championship if they would repeat. 
Um, would she get a job the, the following year? Probably not. But I do think if she does get a job in the NBA, it is going to be the San Antonio Spurs when Coach Pop retires because he will have a big say in who that next coach is. Mm-hmm. He, he's, you know, he's an institution in San Antonio. And I am a big, big fan of Coach Pop. I think he's the best coach in the NBA um, in what he's done over, you know, how many decades mm-hmm. uh, of doing it. And there is such a close bond with him and Becky that I think if he told the organization she's she's the person for the job, I think she would get it. Yeah, this is a. I mean, to me, obviously, it's a very. Uh, it's it's it, it intrigues a lot of people. You know, the possibility of her uh, p- coaching at the NBA level, and uh, you know, everyone's got their hot take and wants to you know say, well, I think she's going to do this and that. As someone uh, who is a fan of the Detroit Pistons, right? There, there was there was speculation that possibly she could be in the running in that in that mix. Obviously, you know they they uh, they went a different direction, but. Uh, uh, I mean, maybe I'm just giving too much, too much, uh, headway towards the, the old boy network in the NBA. You know what I mean? Like maybe I'm just giving too much credence to that as far as, as far as how, the mentality in the league and, 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 and maybe not giving Becky enough credit as far as how she can handle that. Because I, I mean, I just think it's a thing. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I you know, uh, look, there's been coaches in the NBA that have been successful that haven't been NBA players. We've seen it. We saw it with Eric Spolstra. We saw it with a lot of guys, right? So uh, that, to me, when it comes to you know male coaches, I get it. But when it comes to female coaches, I mean, look, Nancy Lieberman Klein was somebody I thought who had who garnered who garnered a lot of respect, right, mm-hmm. because of her playing career and because of her coaching ability. And even she wasn't even really get, get, getting a chance from from an from an NBA standpoint. To get a job, so I think it makes it it makes it very problematic and difficult. Is is the descriptions that I'll use for Becky to kind of get up into that realm and and maybe break that glass ceiling? The you know the obvious problems you know obviously is the locker room dynamic, and I'm not talking just you know the <laughs> the obvious. I'm talking about NBA players in general of any sport, and, and I don't want and don't take this coming off the wrong way, but they're the toughest to manage okay these guys make a ton of money most nba players you know we see you know off the court annex you know good or bad they they like to you know they like their nightclubs and stuff we see it that's where i think the problem is would she be able to win over a locker room and for them to totally buy into her um and again, I think the only place that that could happen would be in San Antonio. And let's face it, you know, the, not only do you, would you have Pop's vote of, you know, of confidence, but how many other players like Ginobili and everybody that were familiar with her from being with the team mm-hmm. would also give her a resounding endorsement? Oh, there's no question. Now, like you go to Aces games, there, there are constantly. You know, Spurs players and former Spurs players that are playing for different teams showing up to to support her uh, in her endeavors. So that that to me is absolutely a, uh, no question about it. I look, I would I, I would contend, and I'm kind of going down the road you did with that that San Antonio would seem like the most logical spot, right? Yeah. Um, given the amount of power that Pop has down there, what he's been able to accomplish, uh, and the the respect. And uh, the track record that Becky has in that organization, I think that would absolutely be a spot where she could land. Uh, I, th- I think I think a lot of my skepticism, the, use, the word I've used over and over again describing this, has to do with other organizations around the NBA, right? Because I do think there is that 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 mindset that you pointed out mm-hmm. regarding the locker room and regarding NBA players as far as uh, as far as Becky. And look, I mean, I'm again, I'm not trying to be disparaging or criticize Becky in any way, shape, or form. But she's only been a head coach for for a year, right? And it's and it was it was the it was the shortened. Uh, they just it, they just extended the WNBA season, right? This mm-hmm. year it was last year. It was yeah. a thirty game season yeah. a year ago, I believe. So I mean, one thirty game season, and we're sitting here uh, when we talk about her in an N, a WNBA perspective, we talk about her like she's you know Phil Jackson. You know, I mean, it's it's like calm down, okay. Uh, I have tremendous respect for Becky. I think she she is a professional to the utmost. I've had interactions with her that in which she's uh, she I, I she's been more, I've absolutely been impressed with her to all kinds of extents. 
But to sit back and act like she's already established herself as a great coach, I think, is overstepping it a little bit. It is. And I think she needs time. I think she still needs time to grow as a head coach. And if it's in the WNBA, so be it. You know, and if she's able to maybe uh, stockpile is the word I'll use, uh, you know, a few WNBA championships before she makes the jump to the NBA or tries to make the jump to the NBA, then fine. But I, but I, you know, I, I just think that uh, timing is everything, right? When it comes to opportunities like this with coaches, and especially when you're talking about groundbreaking opportunities, right? I'm not talking about you know your assistant coach, your average Joe out there who's an assistant who gets the gig, you know, because he's been an co- assistant coach for 15 years, right? I'm talking about someone who's trying to break a barrier, who's trying to make history, and be the very first in a league that's been established for decades. Yeah. It's 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 a tough thing. First yeah. thing, go yeah. back to Coach Pop. Yeah. He's not going to leave anytime soon because he wants he <laughs> he's one, he's we such a competitor. That. We, we saw that. We, yeah. He's such a competitor, but he's also got, you know, a generational player coming to his team. And he, you know, we've already seen what he's done with big guys before. I mean, you know, the Admiral, David Robinson, you know, and then Tim Duncan. He gets a chance to do it again. So uh I think it'll be a few years before that opens up, which would give Becky time to, you know, solidify, you know, her status with, like you said, if she would go back to back. And remember, the nucleus of this ACES team is signed, is locked in for a few years. So this team's supposed to be a dynasty for a while. But the one thing you hear everybody when they talk about Becky Hammond and, you know, she's got high basketball IQ. Okay. You know, I, I, I don't know where that test is that you, you get that, uh, that they determine you have. It's a combination of an eyeball and resume (laughs) test, kind of. You know what I mean? I think that's what it it is. I'm trying to put it in plain terms, but I, I think it's down that road. Yeah. Yeah. And again, that goes to who, you know, she learned under, Mm -hmm. you know, and then she had a great career, you know, as a player, obviously. Uh, so, you know, both in you know college and the WNBA, and uh, and recently inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame. So her resume is there. It yeah. it, it can happen if it's going to happen to any woman in you know college or from the college scene or in the WNBA. It, it will be her, and she's motivated too, right? I mean, this is a woman who wasn't even drafted into the WNBA, mm-hmm. but then ends up being I think a six time WNBA All Star, had a yeah. solid career on the court, and of course we've seen what she's done. In the coaching ranks. We'll see how it happens. Look, I think she's still going to be in Vegas for a couple more years. And then uh, she might have other opportunities. We'll see what those opportunities end up being. Uh, obviously, I think for her and for for women in American sports, it would be a tremendous story if she did end up getting uh, and being the first woman ever to coach in the NBA. Where the I head coaching wouldn't level. want her to go is a team that, Obviously, whenever you're hiring a new coach, generally the team's not good. That's why the other coach isn't there anymore. But go to a team that is bad and maybe as a team, it's not selling the arena out and using it as, you know, as a hook, you know, oh, we got the first W, you know, cause you got to succeed, you know, cause all eyeballs are going to be on you. You want to go to a franchise that has some kind of winning tradition in history. And again, that's why I say, you know, the Spurs, you know, they're on a down cycle now, obviously, and that's how they were able to get the number one draft pick. But this is a team that does have some talent, you know, some young talent there that could be a good team a couple of years down the road. And uh, this is we have been outstanding on the segues here, Marco, because it does lead you talk about teams that maybe she doesn't want to go to. There's a team that's got some high drama going on in the NBA, uh, a team that was expected to be one of the best in the Eastern Conference. And now, obviously, I'm talking about uh, the city of brotherly love, my friend. Uh, all the discussion regarding James Harden, right, and his situation with the Sixers. Well, now there has been rumblings that that their best player, their franchise guy, might be looking to head out of town. Of course, I'm talking about Joel Embiid in Philadelphia with the Sixers. Marco, I, I mean, I know we're rolling down towards a break here, but... This was a Philadelphia 76ers team just a, just a, about a matter of a year or two ago was being talked about as, oh, we could be storming towards an NBA championship. Now everything is just falling apart with the Philadelphia 76ers. 
I got one common denominator, <laughs> and that's James Harden seems everywhere. He's you know he's a bright shiny piece everybody yes. wants. Where's it worked? Yes. Where, where has it worked that they got to the next level? And where has it been where he has shown up when they've been in the playoffs? He's had some, you know, obviously some big performances in the playoffs, but more often than not, he's gone, you know, MIA in the, the, the big money games when they needed him the most. I don't think he's a great team player, not a big fan. And you think about it, this team, I go back to the Thunder, the Oklahoma City Thunder, they had Durant. Westbrook and Harden all in their prime and they couldn't get it done. How do you, they had, you know, all these other teams are trying to make super teams. They had a super team before there were super teams and they couldn't get it done. And he's the only common denominator. But now, I mean, it just, it just seems like it was, you know, Doc, the whole thing that went down with Doc Rivers. I mean, there, I mean, you think about drama franchises in sports, right? Obviously, you think about the Dallas Cowboys in the NFL. You think about the Lakers, right? In the NBA. I mean, the Sixers have become that team. In the last five years, they become one of, the, you know, one of the teams that's just surrounded by drama in the, especially in the last three, four years because they, they had high expectations and then they've had these key people, whether it's coaches or players, that have had some type of, uh, you know, uh, issue or some type of grievance that was going on. Ben and it Simmons. just, ca- and it caused it. Yeah. The Ben Simmons situation. I mean, uh, I mean, it's just, it's amazing. Like, uh, I guess what could have been right for the Philadelphia 70 sections when you talk about this team and this franchise when it comes to the Eastern Conference in the NBA. The Philadelphia 76ers in basketball are the equivalent of the San Diego Padres in baseball. High expectations every single year coming in, make off-season moves that's supposed to bolster the team, and yet it's a disappointment. I couldn't have said it better myself. Marco D'Angelo, Chris Wynn in for T.C. Martin, the T.C. Martin Show. Coming to live. We'll take our last break, come back, talk some Major League Baseball. Uh, New York Yankees, eight-game skid, falling out of the picture. Uh, also some stories uh, from here in Las Vegas. Uh, latest news as far as the A's are concerned. I want to bounce that off of Marco as uh, well. We'll talk a little talk a little diamond action when we come back. It's the C.C. Martin Show on a Monday, 101 point, or excuse me, 107.1 on the FM side, 1400 on the AM side, and streaming live at tcmartinshow.com. Now, back to more of Las Vegas' favorite sports madman, the Dr. T.C. Martin. T.C. Martin Show coming away live on a Monday. The doctor is on the road. He is in the dirty south Atlanta getting set for the Dream and the Aces. He'll be on the call tomorrow over down the dial on ESPN Radio calling the Aces versus Atlanta Dream Game as they'll look to bounce back after that loss to the Los Angeles Sparks on Saturday. Chris Wynn, Marco D'Angelo in on a Monday. Marco D'Angelo, one of our favorites in Las Vegas radio, has done a tremendous job. Over 40 years in the handicapping game, folks. Uh, wagertalk.com. Go there. If you want all, know all things handicapping, folks, that's the way to go. Um, we've been talking a little bit, uh, obviously about, uh, the WNBA. We're going to switch gears a little bit because Major League Baseball is rolling down the stretch, Marco. Uh, obviously, uh, some very intriguing wild card races going on, both the American and National League. You've got teams charging like the Chicago Cubs. In the National League, right, where you got uh, a couple of teams at the top of the uh, at the top of the wild card standings in Philadelphia, who lost yesterday. And uh, by the way, shout out to uh, our local team here, the Henderson Little League team. After losing on Friday, they were able to get wins in both of uh, elimination games over the weekend on Saturday and Sunday. They lost that game. Uh, excuse me, that game was on Wednesday, by the way, that they lost to to the Metro team. Uh, three to one, right? And then, uh, they got wins on Saturday and Sunday to continue. So they're still alive there, but, uh, a great thrill for those young players, Marco, because they got a chance to see that, uh, Major League Baseball classic, uh, showcase yeah. last night with the Washington Nationals and the Philadelphia Phillies, two Las Vegas guys. And we had the, the guys in studio here for another show, uh, from, from the league team. They are big fans of both Bryson Stott and Bryce Harper, obviously yeah. two local guys playing for the Philadelphia Phillies. So that was a big thrill for them to be there in Williamsport and get a chance to experience that. Oh, it's 
such a great atmosphere. And I hate to admit it. You know, I lived all those years in uh, Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh. I never made it to go yeah, there. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's cool that baseball has recognized it in doing these showcase games there for the kids. I mean, that's, you know, it's such a thrill just to be there, obviously, playing in the Little League World Series, but then get to see up close and personal, you know, a game like that and, you know, meeting the players and so forth that just can't imagine, you know, that's a memory those kids will have their entire lives. And uh, for us, you know, it's just another game. We're watching it, trying uh, to bet it. And when we were talking about things that were good for the books and bad for the books over the weekend, everybody was on Philadelphia last night, the ES, the ES fan game. And uh, they went down. Uh, Philadelphia, you know, these teams that are fighting for the playoffs, uh, they seem to keep shooting each other in the foot. Uh, talk about, you know, in the American League in the West, you had both Texas and Houston get swept right. at home over the weekend. And that opened the door up for the hottest team in baseball, which is Seattle. They've won, uh, I think, six in a row. Mm-hmm. But they're 32 and 13 over their last 45 games. And if you remember, coming into this season, they had that great run the second half of the season last year. And, you know, they got a good young pitching staff that, you know, everybody said, hey, this is the year that they're going to contend. They had a slow start, but right now they are on fire. And that's a team that I would not want to step in front of. Right Two teams now. that basically solidified their fate, of course, are the Angels, who are under 500 the last 10, and uh, now sit uh, eight and a half games back in the wild card. And of course, the New York Yankees, right, lost eight straight, including uh, uh, they've lo- uh, they're one and nine in their last 10. So that pretty much uh, solidifies what's going on in the American League wild card race. But then you've got the Red Sox there, three games out. Uh, you know, of the wild card race. And, uh, you talked about that Seattle team right now, uh, 14 games over 500 and, uh, pretty much neck and neck, right? With Houston and Tampa Bay when it comes to that wild card race. But, uh, look, you and I, we talked about this in the break, Marco. So I have a friend of mine, uh, Daniel McCartan. She is a host at WFAN in New York. And people are not happy, as you would expect in New York because. It's the Big Apple. It's the number one market in the country. They have expectations every single year. And so, yes, we've seen the unraveling that has transpired with the New York Mets in the National League. But it's also equally as concerning, I would expect, for all of uh, the Bronx Bomber fans out there and Yankee pinstripe fans out there. What's happened with the New York Yankees? Because this is a, also a team that had expectations going into the season as well. Well, no disrespect to the Mets, but you guys are used to disappointment, okay? That's been, you know, decades, okay? Mm -hmm. For the Yankees, this is uncharted water. I mean, how long has it been since they haven't made the playoffs? This is a team that is not afraid to spend money. They've every year got one of the biggest payrolls in Major League Baseball. And we had Numchuk look it up during the break. The Mets actually had a bigger payroll this year than the Yankees. So, yes, that uh, disappointment with the Mets, uh, you know, stings. But I think the Yankee fans are the ones that are in just absolute total disbelief. And this weekend, they, you know, the one thing you could count on with the Yankees was like, you know, every four or five days, at least Garrett Cole's going to go out there and and pitch. And they lost with him over the weekend as well. Uh, Severino has been just absolute trash this year. He's getting lit up like a, you know, Christmas tree every start. Um, you had, uh, Grimond who had a no hitter this year and then most of the rest of the starts, he's not been good for them. Uh, and then, you know, if judge isn't in lineup, you know, he's been having battling injuries this year. They can't score runs. It's a mess. When you look at the Yankees, right? A lot of times I look at this this franchise, and it's, and it's supposed to be a franchise in which you just reload, you don't rebuild, right? Mm-hmm. I kind of get that that uh, that idea about them. But do you get the feeling that they're kind of missing out on a window here? Do you get the feeling that you know, with the likes of Judge and some of these you know some of these players that are in their prime, that are in New York to go along with the younger players, right, and some of the older vets? Do do you get the feel, Marco, that it's, maybe it's a team that is letting an opportunity sw- slip away? To be a contender in the American League? Because of the money they have to spend more so than anybody else, they're going to get back the ship righted quicker than Mm -hmm. most would in this situation. But I think they do have to semi-blow it up 
but they got the money to rebuild it quick. You're going to see a lot of heads roll at the end of this season. I think you're going to see both GM and manager gone. You can't. And, you know, if you're going to bring a new GM in, he's going to want his guy for a manager. And you start from there, and then you open the checkbook up like they do every year. But this is a team that there's a lot of lot of people that got to look in the mirror that didn't do their jobs. And I'm talking not only on the field, off the field, you know, play people, personnel, not a good situation for a perennial uh, powerhouse that uh, is in the, you know, playoffs all the time. You talked about the Philadelphia Phillies making people like myself rip up their tickets yesterday after <laughs> that matchup with the Washington Sorry. National, when it was already four nothing in the first <laughs> inning, by the way, Marco, uh, for the Washington Nationals in that tilt. But in the National League, it's very interesting, right? When you talk about this wild card race, you've got the Phillies right now, I believe, 500 in their last 10 games. And you've got San Francisco's under five. I think they're three and seven in their last 10 for the Giants as they sit atop the wild card race. But Chicago Cubs, a team charging right now. This, and when you see Marco, uh, you know, teams from, from all the way from Arizona through Miami, Cincinnati, Chicago, San Francisco and Philadelphia, when you see that amount of parity, right? In the mix still. When it comes to wild card, does this just not make the case for all of I mean, back when we were in our younger days, obviously there's four teams that made the postseason, right? This, I think, absolutely makes the case, right? That, oh, adding more of these wild card teams and setting up these scenarios in which more teams can be playoff relevant. This is a perfect example of it when you talk about the National League. Absolutely. You want to keep races alive as long as you can because you don't want people tuning out the last two weeks of the major league season. And, you know, they added the other playoff spot where I'm so happy that they got rid of. I was not a fan of the one one game wild card, you know, and I tell the story all the time. But I go back to my pirates who had had not made the playoffs for, I think it was like 19 years. Mm -hmm. They finally made the playoffs, but it was the one game wild card. And they did it a couple of years. I think the one year we had to play San Francisco. Oh, and who did we draw? Madison Bumgarner in his prime. Then um, we had one year with the Cubs in the wild card. Oh, who'd we get there? Oh, Jake Arietta when he was in his prime. You know, it, it just sucks to have that one game and be done because yeah, you get excited that you may, oh, we're in the playoffs, but no, you're in a play in game. So the new format I am a fan of. Uh, I am a fan of keeping things, uh, alive as long as you can, uh, with the baseball. But one thing I'll tell our listeners to be careful of at this time of the season, uh, it's a long season and, the teams that are in contention are going to be overpriced. The bookmakers know where you're going to bet. You're not betting the, you know, the team that has nothing to play for. But when we get to September and they, you know, expand the rosters, you're going to see some people called up for some of these younger teams that there are going to be pitchers that they want to take a look at, you know, to, you know, see if they have a shot of making the club next spring. And I always say it. Pitchers have the advantage over the hitters the first time through the league. So when you get some of these guys that you don't recognize the name starting, don't be running automatically to bet against them at the windows. You're going to make money with these dogs because, remember, the best teams in baseball, uh, they're going to have, you know, Atlanta, you know, they're a 650 ball club. They're going to win 65% of the time. If you're laying over 200 every game, you're losing money with the Astros, even at a 65, you know, 650 win percentage. Two to one, you got to win 67% of your games to break even. Yeah, but uh, I would I would uh, counter that by saying this. In a game yesterday that I was watching, I was not going to put money on the underdog, and that was the Oakland Ace <laughs> taking on the Baltimore Orioles. I mean, Marco, how good is this Baltimore Oil team? Like they, uh, they, they spanked Oakland yesterday. Not a shock by any stretch of the imagination, by the way. Uh, Gunnar Henderson was uh, a single away from the, the cycle and, uh, his final at bat in that game yesterday ends up with a double. So he ends up with two doubles in the game, has a monster game. But, uh, this is an Orioles team, obviously sitting atop the American League East, one of the favorites in the American League, but, uh, hasn't had a lot of postseason success in the last three decades plus, right? Uh, obviously, their last championship was in 1983. It is a it is a organization and a franchise looking to kind of to to uh, to catapult themselves up into that 
that conversation with the likes of, of uh, and I'm talking about over the last five, six years, the likes of the Houston Astros and the New York Yankees and, and, uh, and Boston Red Sox in the American League, right? Um, is this their year? Could this be their year where we're talking about Baltimore making a real run? Baltimore, here's the thing. Can you name five superstars on this team? Three superstars? They're, they're a team of good players, but you don't have the big name players. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been the most consistent from start to finish. We've had a lot of teams that were hot at certain times, like Tampa Bay. They were ready to hand Tampa the World Series at the end of April. Mm-hmm. Okay. Where they, you know, they've played basically 500 balls since then. Uh, this is a team where the problem for Baltimore that I see the pitching staff has its moments, but it's not a dominant pitching staff. They've won their games scoring a lot of runs. This team's got a, a very good offense. Um, their bullpen has been their strength this year, which is something that hasn't been in the past. But when you get into a series where you're basically going to be going to three man rotations and you're going to be facing some of these good teams that got, you know, two studs and a semi stud for their, their three starters. It could be tough for them in a series. If they can get the game to the bullpen, yeah, they've got a big edge, but it's, you've got to get to the bullpen first and they could be handcuffed by some of the pitchers that they're going to go against and their pitchers aren't those dominant type guys. You don't have the guys that you know he's going to go out, give you six or seven innings and he's going to give you a two run performance. They don't have those guys. Going to the other end of the spectrum, Marco, and well as Justin. So I was watching that game, by the way. There's like 3,000 fans in the stands. They're giving away free tickets now on Sundays mm-hmm. to kids under 12 in Oakland for these games. I mean, nobody's showing up. It's a pretty much a foregone conclusion or expectation they're coming here to Las Vegas. And there's news on that front when it comes to that. Uh, the Oakland A's have hired the Mortensen McCarthy construction firm to build a new ballpark here in Las Vegas. The, the expected site is going to be the Tropicana site. As of right now, that's the same firm, by the way, that built Allegiant Stadium here in Las Vegas for the Las Vegas Raiders. So it's just one more, you know, a tidbit of news that it, 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 it very well looks like it's becoming a reality that, that the A's are going to be coming to Las Vegas outside of some, you know, uh, extenuating circumstances that are, are a little bit wild. It looks like that's going to be the case. I mean, I don't know if I've dived too deep in t- with, with you, Marco, as far as, uh, your uh, expectations with the A's coming here to Las Vegas and uh, your thoughts on this. But, uh, you know, I've always been someone who uh, takes kind of a selfish approach as a baseball fan (laughs) and sit back and say, you know, I get to see the New York Yankees come to town. I get to see the Angels come to town. I get to see my my Detroit Tigers come to town, the Boston Red Sox. Um, I think about the positive aspects from a financial standpoint, that it's going to be a job creator, right? That it, I, I want to believe it's going to be something that's beneficial for the community. But uh, there are some detractors out there as far as bringing the A's here. And for the most part, Marco, it's about the baseball stuff, right? It's about the franchise. It's about how the franchise operates as a franchise, right? As far as general managers, ownership, how they approach ownership, money ball, right? And how things go with that. Um, I guess my question to you is this. Do you think it works in Vegas? And I want to be more specific about it. From a baseball standpoint, do you think it can work from Vegas? It's going to work in Vegas from the standpoint of what we saw with the Golden Knights, uh, you know, I don't want to compare them to them because this was, you know, the Vegas-born team. We're mm-hmm. not inheriting somebody's stepchild, okay? Um, that was built from scratch. But what we saw in that first year with the, the Golden Knights is the arena, T-Mobile, was basically split 50-50 almost mm-hmm. every every home game. Why? Because a lot of people weren't hockey fans yet, but this is a transient town. There's people... Everybody that, you know, the majority of people that live here lived somewhere else. Yeah. So when their team comes to town, they want to go down to the strip and see their team. That's one. Two, anytime, and this goes with the football as well, you look at schedule, you see the road schedule. Oh, I'm from Pittsburgh. Pirate, when the Penguins come to town, I'm going to go see that game, as is everybody else that wants to take a road trip with their team. If you can go to Vegas... You can do a weekend. If you get a weekend game in a, 
four day, three night thing, you can have a mini vacation. You can do the game one night. You can go see a show on a strip one night. You can gamble. You got all the nice restaurants. It's a destination. Now we're talking about hockey. That's a 41 game home season as opposed to baseball where you're going to have double that number. Can they do that for a whole season? I think you'll do well in the spring. I think you'll do well with people coming through during the summer. But once you've got the Golden Knights start up and you've got football, I think that last month of baseball might might be tough in Vegas. And I brought this up previously too, right? I'm not really necessarily concerned about, you know, the Friday Saturday, Sunday series, Mm -hmm. especially when you're playing against the big-time teams, right? The teams that people want to see. I'm worried about the Tuesdays, right? The Wednesdays, the, you know, middle of the week. We know Vegas. It's a three-shift town, right? So that concerns me a little bit. This isn't – and by the way, I mean, we talked about the Golden Knights, obviously. Uh, It's not hockey, right? It's not the NHL. It is Major League Baseball. You expect, you know, more more kind of fanfare, I guess, Mm -hmm. is the way I'll describe it. With a major league baseball team here, you, you expect more support even with that being said. But I, I do have an issue with that. I do have a concern about those middle of the week games. And this isn't like the NHL or the NBA or UNLV where you've got, you know, 20, 30 home dates. You got 81 games. You got it. You know what I mean? So this is, uh, I, I am, uh, I do have, uh, I, I do, uh, I do have concern when it comes to these, those types of games. Uh, when you're talking about the dog days of summers in uh, July and August and beyond. The thing that it will help, and it's a pro and a con at the same time, as a local, I absolutely dread thinking the gridlock that we're going to have on TROP. Right. Trop in Las Vegas Boulevard is going to be a street that's probably going to be dead to me as a local, okay? Because it's a mess now, and it's just going to be even more congested, but... The fact that it is on the strip, the game day walk-up ticket sales are always going to be great because people are going to be in time. What do we want to do? Hey, you know what? We can go see this brand new ballpark. We can spend three hours, you know, that baseball ticket's a lot cheaper than sitting in front of the slot machine for three hours, let me tell you. And I don't care if you're playing the penny slots, which that's the biggest myth in Las Vegas. Everybody, oh, I was only playing the penny slots. That is the number one moneymaker every single month when the Gaming Commission sends out the report for the casinos. Penny slots makes the most money for the casinos. And let me tell you guys something else also. You talked about the ticket being a lot cheaper than the, than the, penny, than the slots. <laughs> that ticket's a lot cheaper than a Raiders ticket. <laughs> that's a lot cheaper than a Golden Knights ticket yeah. on, a, on a nightly basis, right? I mean, I, it's, speaking of the Raiders, right? So the Pittsburgh Steelers are in town late September, right? Tickets are going for going for you know uh, three three figures yeah. in some cases four. But mm-hmm. my, my buddy is a New England Patriots fan coming out here. Mm-hmm. Tickets tickets are through there. the Patriots and the Raiders. Mm-hmm. By the way, no disrespect, Raider Nation, mm-hmm. but you know they're not, they're expected to be you know not necessarily in the mix in the AFC this year, right? Mm-hmm. When it comes to contenders. Those tickets are still going through the roof. This is we're we're, in, we're into multiple seasons now here in Las Vegas, so the the, the novelty is rubbed off a little bit. But when you see those ticket prices, not so much. And look, uh, there's definitely going to be a novelty when it comes to the A's if they when they come here, if and when they come here, and uh, they, it's expected that they will. And uh, but it is it is a price point that is significantly lower, Marco D'Angelo. Than those other tickets that are in town. Yeah, in baseball, you know, baseball has its good seats. Mm-hmm. No question, you'll pay you'll pay to sit behind home plate. But baseball is the sport where you have just as much fun being out in the outfield. You know, in the cheap seats. You know, it, it's still an experience. And you know, having a new stadium. And you know, if they're able to do, you know, we have to average. You know, it has to be closed in because you're not going to be able to play July and August here in Vegas if you don't. But if they can do it where you're sitting in the outfield and you're looking back, you know, or if whichever way they they face the stadium, you're going to see some awesome views of yeah. the strip. And you expect they would, it would the outfield would yeah. face the strip uh, as far as like the skyline because yeah. that that would that that is the expectation. And I think I've seen some renderings yeah. that's what they're exactly going to do. So, it's going to be a spectacle. We'll see exactly how it all how it all goes down, but uh Again, like I said, Marco, I'm selfish. I want to see my Tigers here. <laughs> I want to see the old English D playing in Vegas. 
on the Las Vegas Strip, just like when I saw my Detroit Red Wings for the first time here with the Vegas Golden Knights. That was, uh, uh, you know, a memory I'll never forget, like for the rest of my life. So, uh, and I'm sure baseball fans from all over the country will have that same feeling when the A's come oh, here. It's fun town. walking on Las Vegas Boulevard, you know, around, you know, T-Mobile in the garden area there outside. Uh, you see all of the jerseys for the other team. You know, it's yeah. like they try, you know, they want to see it. It's a, it's a destination. Okay, Marco, you mentioned it. You said pizza money, my friend. I'm thinking beer and pizza money for myself as I, uh, I'm going to lean towards this. I'm going to go with the status quo, Numchuck and Marco. I might be, I might be putting some ducats on those Baltimore Ravens tonight in Monday Night Football. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing for the listeners out here, out there, but hey, I think I'm going down that road, my friend. Well, my money's on, my money's on the other side. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's Marco D'Angelo. You can find him, uh, follow him at X slash Twitter at Marco in Vegas. Does a great job. Also go to wagertalk.com for all things Marco D'Angelo and beyond. I'm Chris Wynn in for TC Martin. Uh, tomorrow, TJ Reeves is going to be hosting the show, I believe. And so uh, I probably talked to TC Martin because TC's on the road. He's in Atlanta yep. getting set for that dream Aces matchup. But uh, it's been a fun Monday. Uh, Marco, always great time getting a chance to chop it up with you. On Absolutely the love it, Chris. Yeah, uh, follow me at Christian Win on X slash Twitter. And uh, hey, Justin Chuck, he's all over the social media too. Hey, follow him on t- TikTok, right? You're on the TikTok right now. You got videos going out. You got everything going. I'm out. on everything. You are. He's all over the place. So uh, tcmartinshow.com. If you miss any part of the show or any show. Go to tcmartinshow.com under the podcast section. Also, check out the interview page and hear from our great guests. Go to the current and classic interview pages anytime at tcmartinshow.com. Have a great week, everybody. Have a great Monday. We'll talk to you in 22 hours. It's the TC Martin Show on KSHP. KSHP.